As a leader, when you get into these senior roles, at times you have to be very, very careful with the stuff that you get out. I'm helping four clients right now sell their companies, and it's a real art to be able to continue running a company, continue managing a leadership team, and only have one or two people on that team actually know that you're working for an exit, and because the, re the rest of the people would be panicked. So you have to be very careful when, when you get into those situations. Welcome to the Second in Command podcast, produced by the COO Alliance and brought to you by its founder, Cameron Harold. In the Second in Command podcast, we talk to top COOs who share the insights, strategies, and tactics that made them the chief behind the chief. And now, here's your host, Cameron Harold. Do you hate being told about all the stuff that's going wrong in your business? Is it hard for you to accept feedback or criticism? I get it, me too. In this episode, I'm gonna tell you how I finally turned the corner on these issues. I'll talk about why I used to get confrontational and why feedback was so hard for me. I'm gonna cover a bunch of lessons I really wish I'd known at a much younger age, but only because of years and decades of leading people have I really learned them. These secrets will change you. I hope you love this episode as much as I did making it for you. It's so confrontational. I don't know why I get confrontational. I used to take every, somebody earlier said like feedback is, you know, great or feedback is whatever. Fucking feedback. I hated feedback, man. Cause I was always working so hard. I took feedback as like intense criticism of me as a human being. And remember who you're looking at, right? You're looking at the kid who every day in school was told you're a 62% student. Like I was, I was running businesses in grade five and grade seven. I had two employees when I was in grade six, for real, two employees. I had 12 employees when I was 20 years old. I'd go to class and every single class I was getting a D minus. I can show you my transcript, D minus, D, D plus, withdrawn, um, C plus. C plus was like, whoa. So, so when I was being told by the system for 18 years, from kindergarten until the end of university that I was stupid, that I wasn't smart, Anytime anyone told me that I could have done better, like that memo could be better or the report could look better or the marketing could be better, the result, I, I took it intensely personally and I took everything as arguing. And then I had to learn that if it's okay for me to tell someone they did something wrong, why am I taking it so personally? So I had to learn to just slow down, let it sink in and just say, thank you. And half the time now when people give me something that I could do better or whatever, and I go, thank you. They go, yeah, man, you're welcome. You're killing it on this. Like, oh yeah, good. It's really weird. <laughs> I also had to remember that at the end of the day, none of this shit matters for all of our employees. This is just what they do to make money. And they're trying their best, but there's probably something happening at home with their spouse or their partner or their dog or their condo or their parents or the economy, or maybe this stress is really building up in them. And maybe I can just slow it down and be more empathetic as a human with them. And maybe I don't have to be so confrontational with them as well. Maybe I can actually be more understanding and really know what's happening in their life and then all the other stuff just starts to not even matter as much, or I realize I can just help them with it instead. So I was a part of an organization called EO, which is the Entrepreneurs' Organization. And we were in a forum group where every month these eight entrepreneurs would meet and we would share the most vulnerable and scary and nervous parts of our business and lives with each other. And we were supposed to literally put it all out there. And the problem with that is, well, the, the benefit of that is that you have support from these people who understand. The problem is that loose lips sink ships. If you don't want a secret to get out, you can't share it. And you can't share it inside of your company all the time either. 
Because what happens is as humans, we need someone just to gut check, did we give the right support? So I could tell Brian, here's something that I'm worried about. And I don't want you to tell anybody. He's, yeah, yeah, I won't tell anybody. But then he goes home and he needs to tell his wife, Lisa. It's like, yeah, Cameron told me this thing. You can't tell anybody. But like, did I give him the right feedback? Like, I'm worried that I, did, I told him the wrong thing. And she goes, no, I think you handled it really well. I think it's good. And then she has to go tell her friend Kelly, like, by the way, like Brian came home and he's worried he didn't tell Cameron this thing. And I supported him. But God, he's really scared. Like, should I give my husband more support on this stuff? She goes, no, no, it's really good. But guess what Kelly does? Kelly knows my CFO that I'm firing. But Lisa didn't know that she knew, right? Loose lips sink ships. As a leader, when you get into these senior roles, at times you have to be very, very careful with the stuff that you get out. I'm helping four clients right now sell their companies. And it's a real art to be able to continue running a company, continue managing a leadership team, and only have one or two people on that team actually know that you're working for an exit. And the because re the rest of the people would be panicked. So you have to be very careful when, when you get into those situations. 900 employees. And I got an email one day from our CFO. This was around probably January of 2000, February 2000. It was right when stuff was starting to get a little nervous with the stock market. And we knew we had to do a layoff. And we got an email from our CFO. And she said, take every business area and rank the employees in each business area by order of importance, order of impact from your highest impact to lowest impact for every area. And I was in the C-suite. So we all did it for all of our business areas. We sent it back to the CFO. And it was like an auto reply a minute later fire the bottom 30%. Tomorrow, have 150 people off this list, or but it was 15%. Have 150 of these people, these, these people, give them this letter and tell them to come down to the building at 411 Jackson in Seattle, come down to this office for a meeting. They're all going to be terminated. I had this one girl, Jennifer. She's like, how come I didn't get a letter? I want to go to the meeting. I'm like, shut up, sit down. <laughs> 150 people go and they get fired. So then we spend a week and a half managing the collateral damage, the worry, the fear, and we get an email from the CFO two weeks later. Please rank your 750 employees by business area. By order. I'm like, are you kidding? And we had to do it again, 150 more people. The 150 people the second time was 10 times worse than it was the first time. And if we were going to do 150 and 150, we should have done 300 or 400 on day one. It's like ripping off the Band-Aid. When you rip off the Band-Aid one tiny little hair at a time, you just rip the sucker off, right? You need to cut deep and cut once. So you need to look across the organization. If you're firing one person, do a full review of every single person and see if there's anybody else that has to get let go and do them both on the same day. Do them with integrity. Do them like you're firing your mom and your dad, you know, whatever. Like, but, but you have to cut deep, cut once. Because each firing is like an earthquake with an aftershock or a tremor. It's the aftershocks that freak everybody out. The one earthquake they got over quickly. But then every single aftershock for the next two days is what really, it's the, that's where the PTSD comes in. So I was at a restaurant years ago and I had the CEO of a, um, a company that I was eating lunch with and the waitress came up to, to take our order and he was looking down or looking at me and he goes, no, no, we're good. Like he was talking to me and he goes, no, no, we're, she was here. He didn't even look at her. And I was like, wow, what a dick. And I realized that that's probably the way he is inside of his business as well. And it's amazing how you can see people and the way that they treat their employees, the way they treat their teams, when they're just in public around other people. Not at necessarily an event that they're running, but when they're just going about their daily lives. In all of my years of knowing Brian, I've known him now for 20, 25 years, Brian, who the founder of 1-800-GOT-JUNK, I told one of my kids this the other day, I don't think I've ever been able to open a door for Brian. And I open doors for people all the time. 20 bucks, 
what's the charity shows 20 bucks to? He'll tell you a charity or just buy me a beer later. I told my son the other day that I don't ever remember opening a door for Brian because Brian gets to the door first on purpose to open a door for everybody. He's just wired that way. I had someone the other day come up to me and they go, did you just pick up garbage here? And I was like, yeah. She, she was one of the staff for Mindbell. And she goes, you don't have to do that. We've got cleaners. I'm like, no, it's good. Like it was right here. Like I just picked it up. It doesn't, it's not a big deal. Like I'll wash my hands later, but I, I'm hardwired to just pick stuff up, be a good person. So look for that. Vision has an uncanny ability to hire great people. I met someone last night at, at the um, speaker's dinner and she told me that he hired her at a cocktail party because she was dating one of his employees. And he's like, I don't even know the role that we can put you into yet, but we'll figure something out. Because you see the energy, you see the person. You, it's not about understanding exactly the job. It's, as Jim Collins said, you get the right people on the bus, the wrong people off the bus, and everybody in the right seats. It's that. And you can notice that with those restaurant rules and how, how they go about their daily lives. You'll see leadership traits in people in their normal day just going to yoga. You'll see leadership traits. You'll see, you'll see people that care. So the, this was the one that I was going to skip to later. As leaders, we often really don't know how to ask the right questions of our team. So one of my mentors was uh, being groomed as the second in command at Starbucks. So he would, and he was a real mentor. Like we had a, a one hour call every month for two years. And then we would meet in person for a full day every quarter. One quarter, I would go down to Seattle to their head office. One quarter, he would come up to Vancouver to our head office. And he was mentoring me for free for two years to help grow me. And I picked him out as, as a mentor. So I was talking to Greg one day and I said, tell me, you know, one area that, that you were grown, that, that you grew kind of at Starbucks. And he goes, well, I'll tell you something and how I grew the CEO. Cause he was working with me on, on leading up. I had to lead Brian, the CEO in some areas. And he was working with me on, on the art of leading up, leading the CEO. And I said, so what, what, what's the example? He said, well, Howard Bihar at the time was CEO of Starbucks. We had Howard Schultz, Oren Smith and Howard Bihar. And I think there's a fourth now, or I think Howard's actually back in Howard Schultz. So Howard Bihar was CEO and Howard Bihar called Greg on his cell phone. And he said, hey, Greg, why is the letter B on this sign at 50th and Wallingford in Seattle not working? I only use that example because that was the first Starbucks I ever went to in Seattle in 1993. And Greg's like, I don't care. That's a terrible question. Howard's like, dude, like, why is the letter B not working? Greg said, not a leadership question. And Howard said, okay. And, and at the time, I think they had like 11,000 locations. And Howard said, what's a leadership question? And Greg said, what system do we have in place to ensure that every letter on every sign at all of our locations is always working? He said, that's a question I'm going to answer, but I don't give a shit why the letter B on that sign is not working. Howard goes, touche. So as leaders, we don't have to find out why something got broken. Why did that not happen? Why did this not happen? That's not the question. The question is what system do we have in place to ensure that those things never happen again? And it does actually stop with the CEO because you hired the people or had the systems in place that allowed people to come in, right? It can always go to some underlying system. So what system is broken? Create a no blame environment where people don't fail, systems fail. Michael Gerber from Nemeth said that. When you create that no blame environment, people are going to be willing to say something's broken because they know they're not going to get in trouble for it because you're going to put an underlying system in place so that it doesn't happen again. One of our COO Alliance members, um, they've been a member for six years. Their CEO is a really good friend of mine. And I found out that I'd, I'd referred something over to them and they're in the medical space and one of their clients wasn't very happy. And Dave, who's one of my best friends, the CEO, said, it's okay, I got it. I'll fix the problem. I'll, I'll talk to the customer. He'll be all good. I said, no, Dave, you're missing the point. I really don't care that John is unhappy with you. That, that's not the point. What system can you put in place to ensure that your tens of thousands of customers going forward never have the issue John had? Dave's like, oh shit, you're right. 
right? We go to that underlying what's the broken system or fixed system that we can put in place, then your business really scales. But if you keep focusing on fixing the problem, right, or, or that one thing or who did it wrong, you're missing the whole point. So the leadership questions are what system is broken or system is missing. And then it creates this trust within your team. You know, Bill Gates used to do what he called Think Week, and he would go away twice a year and take all these books and just go without technology and just allow himself time to think. Do you ever take time to just think, right? No phone, no laptop. I talk about it in the, the Vivid Vision Quest about getting away from your laptop and away from your office and going somewhere just to allow your mind to dream. But what about just leaving your phone and going for a walk or leaving your phone and going for dinner or closing your laptop down for a week and going like, go on vacation. It doesn't mean working while you're there. It doesn't mean checking email while you're there. It means like disconnecting. It's okay. Do you know that your grandparents used to go on vacation without technology and the business was there when they came home? When for real, <laughs> like my grandfather taught me that my grandfather, both sets of grandparents were entrepreneurs. And one of my grandparents said, when you go on the golf course, don't let me ever see you have your phone. And I'm like, but I need to check. He goes, dude, I built, I didn't say dude. He was like, I built my business without a cell phone. I can go golfing for six hours, five hours. I'm like, yeah, you're right. Makes sense. So take the time to disconnect, take the time to think. I talked earlier a little bit about the, the criticism or the feedback. I had to learn to embrace the criticism, right? Learn to actually take that criticism and say, thank you for that. Take it as a chance to grow and not see it as something that I had really done wrong or something that I had to, to, didn't have to take it so damn personally. So I look for that feedback now. I probably look for it too much. Like I'll come off a stage and be like, oh, you were great. No, no, I, I could do this better, that better, this better. So I'm okay now with taking the criticism in just as a feedback loop of ways to improve. And I look for a system that's missing to help me get better at that. Years ago, I was running a daily huddle at 1-800-GOT-JUNK. And um, I was really pissed off about some stuff around time management. And I felt like a lot of our employees were wasting time in meetings. It actually got talked about in my book, Meetings Suck around meetings and running highly efficient meetings and booking meetings for half the time you first think about booking them for just how to really get highly impactful meetings happening or phone calls. And I decided at Huddle, we had 150 employees there. I decided to just give them all shit for how much time they were wasting. Seemed appropriate at the time because I was manic and a little bit bipolar and was a little ADD and I just went for it. And it was good, man. Like I cut them all down perfectly and destroyed the energy in the company for a solid two months. The recovery from that 30 seconds took two months for them to have trust and feel okay again. So I learned that negative public comments don't actually help you. It's that, that whole private criticism, public praise, and just really remembering that as CEO, you're the chief energizing officer, right? What are you doing to actually stir the Kool-Aid to get more energy? And, and be, be careful with anything you're doing that lowers the energy of your team. It's incredible how fast you can shift the energy in a room. You know, we've talked about Esther Hicks and, and the movie The Secret. That's so true in the business world. We had all of our employees watch the movie and we had all of our franchise partners watch the movie and then we had all of our top franchise partners watch the movie twice to understand quantum mechanics and quantum physics and how to transfer that positive energy around. Not just the manifestation, but how to actually use energy in a positive way. Negative public comments destroy energy. I also learned that anytime I told a secret to someone, it destroyed trust. And I learned this because I talked to Tressa, who was my VP of operations. She was literally packing my parachute every day. She was somebody who I would give the most important projects to, and she could handle all that stuff for me perfectly. So I was having problems with one of the other guys who worked for us, Alex, and I decided to sit down with Tressa and talk to her about her peer, Alex, and what was pissing me off. I needed to bounce some ideas around and see what I was thinking. So I told her about it and I said, Nick, you can't tell Alex this. And I thought I was doing something really good. A week later, Tressa came up to me and she goes, I haven't slept in five days. I'm like, why? 
She said, I know that you needed to talk to me about Alex, but now I wonder who you're talking to about me. I wonder who you're going behind my back and asking questions about. And I was like, well, no one. She would never believe that. Because even though, do you follow where I'm going? Anytime you think that you're doing a favor with, with doing that, you're fucking everything else up. You're destroying the own trust in your own organization. By the way, blind carbon copy is destroying trust in your organization. When you blind, now if you blind CC, like blind CCing to save your inbox, by the way, you don't need to say that. We get it. Like John BCC, like we get it. You don't need to say the rest of the whole sentence. But when you blind CC and don't tell people and you're doing so, hey, Vision, I'm letting you know what I'm doing over here. Vision's now wondering who I'm doing it to, Right. Be very careful who you BCC on things or who you tell secrets to because it's destroying the trust that they have in you as a leader. You need to find other outlets. You need to find peer groups or masterminds or coaches or someone outside your organization, or you need to work through it on your own, but you can't tell secrets inside the organization. You've been listening to Second in Command, brought to you by COO Alliance founder, Cameron Harold. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to like, share, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and our other podcast streaming platforms. For more best practices from industry-leading COOs, visit COOalliance.com.